What's up, everybody? Thank you for tuning in once again to the Unofficial Therapy Podcast. I just realized I should probably have a theme song to this. Um, this intro is getting bland. I should come in with some music. I'll figure something out so you guys can at least bop your head a little bit when I first start talking. Thank you for tuning in. I'm happy to have you with me, as always. I appreciate all the support, all the love, and I'm going to keep this going as long as y'all want it. Uh, this is the day after the NBA Finals. Uh, I live in California, so there are a lot of Warrior fans who are real salty right now. And uh, they should be. Lost the championship. It's not really your fault. Didn't seem to really be in the cars this year. A lot of injuries, a lot of drama during the season. And sometimes, you know, things happen. It happened to LeBron when he lost to the Mavericks. Um, it happened to y'all this year. It happened to Detroit when they beat Kobe and the Lakers. Like, it happened. Sometimes it's just not your year, even when, you know, all the things point to you being a better team. That actually is the backdrop to the podcast today, because in game five, which was, what, four days ago, I guess, at this point, uh, one of my favorite players in the league, a lot of people's favorite player, uh, Kevin Arank, got injured. And it kind of sparked this thought in my mind where I never thought he would play. Again, once he got hurt. When he got hurt, I thought he, you know, partially towards Achilles. I heard they said it was a calf. I didn't believe it. I saw what he grabbed. I said, you know what? Achilles is damaged. Free agency is coming up. Don't play. I was, I didn't even, I bet people. Bet five, you don't play. Like, I was pretty confident. And if you watch the game or you watch any kind of sports, you know he played. You know it towards Achilles, it ruptured it. And now he's not going to play for another year. And one of the things about that was there was reports that came out the day before the game and the day of the game that some of his teammates were like a little bitter that they didn't know if he was working hard enough to come back. It was, hey, man, Clay Thompson's got a bad hamstring. Kevon Looney got a broken chest. Boogie had a broken quad. And we don't even know if you try hard enough. And again, that's, that's selfish on the teammates part. But at the same time, if you're out there, you know, thugging it out, you kind of want everybody to be all hands on deck. I get the human part of that. And then the media people were talking like, you know, could he, should he come back? And should he even be on the team in the first place? He did kind of join a good team already. And what happened was, by most accounts, and I guess through some kind of deductive reasoning, the pressure from the teammates, the pressure from the media – and even from the organization at large, they were talking every other day like he should be playing. He said, you know what, well, I'm going to try to prove to people that I'm tough and prove that I can come back and do that. And he came back and he, he played himself, literally played himself, and he got hurt. And it got me thinking about pressure. That's the topic of today's podcast, by the way. It's pressure. And there are a couple different forms. I'm going to talk about the first one because we're on it now. Is the public pressure. His case is obviously an outlier. Almost no one listening to this podcast is a legit basketball player. Maybe one of you guys are, but no one's a professional at this point. So we can't begin to understand the depth of what it means to be at that level of playing. But we, we've all experienced some public pressure um, to turn a job down, to act a certain way, to, like, we've, we've all done it. I'll tell you the last example we saw on, on, the, on, the, on the big stage, and 
it kind of went under the radar when it happened, but I think now it's coming to the forefront. Remember in 2016 when uh, Hillary was running on the Democratic side? And before she was the presumptive nominee and all that, there was a debate about whether Joe Biden should run. And I guess one of his, his kids, I want to say Bo is his name, but I could be wrong. Um, one of his wishes was he wanted his dad to run. He said, Dad, I think you should be president. You've been in politics for 30 years. You'd be great. You know, I, I, I want that for you. And then his son passed, right? And when they were doing the the vetting and the who are we going to put our money behind part of the politics game, they had this like closed-door meeting with him and Obama and other like high-level people. And essentially, they asked him to to just not run because he was more likable than Hillary was. But had he run, there's a good chance that she couldn't be elected. And obviously, that's what they wanted to promote that part of the agenda to just go more and more inclusive and et cetera, et cetera, whatever. It's not a political podcast, but it's apparent. So, but he wanted to be president. Like he thought, if I ran, then I could have won. I'm a likable VP. I have friends on both sides of the aisle. But he stepped down from his dream, essentially, to because the public, meaning his constituents, pretty much asked him to. Like, if you run, we're not going to support you like you like we want to. We want her to be the person. And first of all, that's a G move. Like, you're talking about being down for the party. But to give up on your dream because of the powers that be want you to. It's a bold move. Now he's running again now, but we'll see what happens. But that happened on the, on a on a high level. Like that's the presidency, and he had to think at that point he had a chance, and he was like, "I'm pretty much passing up what I believe to be a pretty good chance to be president because y'all want me to." And I'm sure he's. I'm. I'm I don't know. He's written books and stuff. I haven't read them. I would think if you interviewed him, like in confidence. Say, hey, Joe, like, what's one of your you know, biggest regrets? Let's say he doesn't win the nomination this time. It goes to anyone else. And he never gets to be president. I would bet money one of his regrets is, I wish I would have ran for president in 2016. I think I would have won. And who knows you know, how life would have been different. It's a, rough, it's a rough go, especially when the pressure you feel is from the top down. This is why things like quid pro quo are illegal in the workforce if your boss is like do this or you know this happens or do this for me and i'll do this for you like there's a reason why that's outlawed because when you don't when you're not in a power position people succumb to pressure it happens especially if you feel like there will be consequences if you don't sometimes people can just request and be like please do this for me and there's some pressure there but if you feel like if i don't do this the repercussions will be, you know, dire, then that's that's a rough place to be. And I think that's what happened to KD. I mean, I think the media part was pressure-wise too, but I think if his teammates and his coaches and owner were just like, hey, don't play, man. It's cool if you don't. We get it. You're hurt. I don't think he ever would have played. I think he would have wanted to. Maybe he would have, you know, try to like do a Willis Reed moment and come out and Whatever, but I, don't, I, I think the fact that every other day they're asking the same question, well, we hope he comes back. I mean, we, we need him. The, the big guys, 
the big guy's the guy we need. And Steve Kerr is, well, you see, he's, he's progressing slowly when he wasn't even practicing. And all this stuff, it was just, I get it. It's human nature. You don't want to, I've been an athlete and I've been hurt before. And I remember what it felt like to be injured and then watch your teammates play. And to see them like battling and going at it. And you wish you could be out there with them. Especially if you know you can make a difference. It's, let's say they have the second string cornerback in. I know I can, I'm better than him and he's getting beat. And that's the part that's holding the defense back. And I'm like, ah, oh, man, if I, was just, if I was there, they wouldn't have such an easy pass constantly to the same. It's a, he's running the same route. I can see it. Look at his outside foot. You know, you're calling the stuff out. You can't do anything. You're just sitting there injured. And this is really one of the worst parts of being injured, barring, you know, something like what happened to KD when he tore Achilles. When you're just injured, like, people, your teammates care about you. Like, oh, we, you know, you're on a team, yada, yada. But they don't really think about you because you're not, you're not there. It's really like a recency thing. We've all experienced this. You've had a coworker that while they worked with you, you were like, all right, yeah, we're – that's my girl. That's my man. So we in there. And then they leave. And then, like, you know, you talk to them for a few weeks, maybe a few months. But at a certain point, because you don't see them, they don't register as much. Unless you guys were, like, real good friends. Like, it just doesn't – you kind of fade away. And then maybe at some point you see them, like, hey, how's that new job treating you? You just realize you haven't talked to them in a few months. That's how teammates are. When you're in the IR, you can be in a training facility every day working, getting treatment, like – whirlpools and physical therapy, all that good stuff. But you're not playing. And so you don't matter as much. And so that's leading to the second kind of pressure, and that's personal pressure. It's pressure you put on yourself. And that is maybe the worst kind of pressure because a lot of times it's not exactly rational. It's just something you... Bestow upon yourself. This is what the basis of being a perfectionist is. You just say, I got to be perfect. Why? Because I got to be perfect. Because if you're not perfect, you're less than perfect. If you're less than perfect, then people won't love you or you're not great. Or, and again, these are all obviously irrational. Because even a 4.0 is not exactly perfect. Like getting an A is a 4.0, but an A ranges from what, a 94 to a 100? So a 94 to a 94 is worse than a 95, right? So like it's, you literally have to get 100% on everything. Who does that? What, like where, where do you make people like that at? Even the smartest people in the world, you know, get 97 on the test or something. Oh, I didn't punctuate this thing or I didn't add that equation properly. This is irrational. But it's a thing that a lot of people go through, that perfectionist thing. And then it's this... I gotta. I should have already been thing that a lot of people have as well, and it's based on what, what it's based on what the projection of yourself from five or ten years ago. It's an arbitrary number you put out. All right, when I'm 27, I want to do. I want to be doing this, and then your 27th birthday comes around and you're not doing it, and you feel like somehow you failed. When when you made the proclamation, you had no idea what the future was going to be. You have no idea what life is going to be from day to day. You can go out to your car right now and have two flat tires and be like, what? <laughs> how, did, how did this happen? When I hit a nail, better yet, two. When did this, when did, when did this go down? You have no idea. 
It just happened. And maybe the money you end up spending on tires is something you have pre-allocated to something else. It's okay, by the end of the month, I'm going to pay for this, this trip, for instance. People take trips during the summer. It's apropos. I'm paying for this trip. Cool. And then you have two flat tires and you have to spend $400 on tires. Now you can't pay for the trip. Or if you do, you're kind of overextending yourself. So, and that's life. That's daily. Like flat tires, this can be a metaphor. Like literally flat tires suck, but it could be any derailment. Your boss can tell you, hey, your promotion is already in the works. We're just doing the final approvals. Week, two weeks max. And then like the GM of the company resigns. And now they have to completely overhaul the company. And every other pressing matter gets pushed to the back. Hey, we're not doing any promotions or anything until we figure out the new direction of the company. The GM might want to bring some new people in. Um, just hold tight. And now you've already made new business cards with your new title on it. You've been flossing, posting new statuses. Promote it, baby. Hashtag living my best life. You know, all that good stuff. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, it's not quite finished yet. Sorry. We'll get back to you. And now you're in limbo. And you can't be getting patient and be like, hey, what's up with that promotion? Because you don't want to rock the boat. And I'll look at you. That's a flat tire on some level, right? Relationship flat tires? Ooh, don't get me started. Everything's perfect. Hey, man, man crush Monday. Woman crush Wednesday. Tuesday. Babe, what's wrong? This isn't working for me. What? Nah, just, uh, I don't know. Just woke up and um, wasn't really feeling it anymore. It's just like, oh, okay, you want to go to counseling? Nah, I think we run our course. Sorry, I'm moving out, moving in with my sister, moving in with my cousin. Bye. So that preset pressure to get married by 27 kind of sucks when you break up with someone at 26 unexpectedly and because we put this pressure on ourselves it it flies in the face of what people tell us hey you're doing a good job don't worry about it you're doing great keep up the good work man you're you're really crushing it right now how old are you 26 hey you're a beast and you in the back of your mind you're thinking yeah but not as beastly as i should be because you put this number on yourself this level of yourself that if you haven't gotten to it, then you're somehow a failure. I see it every day. I work in a pressurized job. Every day is performing. It's, you know, clientele. It's maintaining that. It's work relations. It's all the things that, it's pretty much high school. <laughs> the gym is pretty much high school. Um, and the number of people I see, a lot of our members are burnt out. They have their own pressures. They just work out. They try to keep the demons away. You can see it. They come in, and they're like zombies. They're just like, I just got to get out of the office for 20 minutes. And it just and it just looks really kind of concerning. It's like, dude, like, I thought you I thought you started your own business so you can kind of enjoy the work you do. But this, I'm just trying to get out of the house or the office for a few minutes. And then, obviously, my coworkers, we have our own things that we're all trying to push to get to some number to make some amount of money that within a week we've already spent. I don't know. It's a it's a really 
unhealthy environment to be in if you're not well grounded. And unfortunately, as I've mentioned in previous podcasts, I don't think that many people are. I think many people are barely hanging on. And that's why any life, quote unquote, flat tire really sends people for, for a tailspin. It's like any derailment and it's like, ugh, the world's after it. The world's trying to get me down and everyone's against me. And it's like, wait a minute, like life happens. It is what it is. But, you know, is this real or is this something you put on yourself? And I and again, I think pressure in a, in a vacuum is not a bad thing entirely. You should push yourself to achieve. That's the basis of you know self actualization and capitalism and all those things. Like we, you should want to perform. You should want to have good relationships and have you know a healthy sense of self. You should want those things. It's when those things overwhelm you that I think things get kind of rough. Because it's it's the pressure, and then it's the self-talk, and then it's the tearing down of your current situation, which may or may not be worthy of being torn down. You're tearing down not being married at 27 when you're forgetting the fact that you've achieved so many other aspects of your life, or that you've had healthy relationships, and that the last one just didn't quite work out. I've... I, think on a very early podcast I mentioned, I don't believe in like mistake relationships. I don't think it's a real thing. Um, maybe there's parts of relationships that maybe ones you should have gotten out of sooner, or maybe you fell too fast. There's those parts of it, sure. But every relationship has a lesson attached to it. Especially if you, if you don't marry the person, which is like 98% of the relationships you're ever going to be in. Then what do you what do you what you get from it? I liked her energy. I liked his his energy. I liked the way I was treated. I liked the way I was heard. I did not like the way things ended. I didn't like the way that we communicated. And you start just you just kind of flow through it. And what you get is kind of a baseline for the person you actually want to be with. But you have to kind of see what you don't want, I think, to know what you want. We have an arbitrary checklist when we're like 16. It's like, I want her to be fine with that booty. And you know what I'm saying? Like, my mom would like her. You say all this stuff. And then, like, you end up marrying, like, a 100-pound girl who does yoga. No booty. Mom, mm, indifferent towards her. But you like her. And so you go. Same thing with guys. Right? You got to be 6'3", with a Labrador, with a one-syllable name like Scott or a Dan or whatever, and then you end up marrying like a dude named Horatio or something. Multi syllables. He's like five eleven, not quite six three, but he makes you laugh, so you go with it. It's just it's a weird it's a it's a weird situation. And so it's it's a, the pressure is a, is a real is a real thing, and we all deal with it. That's the thing. It's one of the universal things we all have. Like stress is something we all deal with. Pressure is a different thing. Some, I mean, obviously pressure leads to stress. I think not being able to handle pressure properly leads to stress. But the body has natural stress responders, so we're inherently supposed to be stressed at various points. And most high-achieving people know how to handle pressure. Isn't this what makes 
people we look up to, the Tom Brady type people, revered is that in the fourth quarter, he's always at his best. In the biggest games, they play their best. They're clutch. The whole word clutch has been bastardized so much in the media that it doesn't even mean anything anymore. But what it used to mean was in the highest leverage moments, you perform the best. But they just cherry pick what is clutch and what isn't clutch. So if you make one game winning shot and then have four consecutive bad fourth quarters, we still remember the game winning shot. And so we call you clutch, even though that's really one out of five and that's bad math. But that's irrelevant. <laughs> that's getting sports nerdy. But we point out the clutch because that means something. It's, it's a badge of honor, you know? That's something that people hang their hat on, you know? My teammates can count on me with a game on the line. You know, give me the rock and get out of my way. That's the thing. Some machismo kind of situation too, but there's 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 equity in that. And then if you don't have that ability, then they your entire play can be demonized. Look at Peyton Manning. I know this has become very sports heavy, so if you are not a sports person, I'm really sorry about this podcast because it's become essentially sports talk, but... I'm a sports guy, so here, here we are. Um, Peyton Manning played for my team, the Broncos, at the end of his career. But for most of his career, he played for the Colts. And he's, I think, un- not even really debatable, the best regular season quarterback ever. All the records, consistently 13-3, 14-2, 12-4. Division of champs, passing records, all that good stuff. Then somehow in the playoffs, he just played like a lesser version of that. And it's for a number of reasons. It's not because he was always playing poorly. In the playoffs, you literally play the best competition there is because the field narrows to the top, you know, eight teams or whatever. So he's playing the best competition who's maybe had a week, maybe two weeks to review the film. And people get a little bit healthier, and then you play. And sometimes his team will get a bye week. In fact, most of the times they did. So he didn't, he didn't play for a week before his last game. The other team had just came off a win, so they were in rhythm and they had some confidence and they would come in and beat him. And what people said for the longest times was, he's a great quarterback, but he's not good under pressure, not clutch, ergo, and the hierarchy of quarterbacks, we can't really give him love. Despite the fact that for years and years and years, he was easily the best quarterback, multiple, most MVPs ever, all that good stuff. And then he had his one run that he won a Super Bowl, and he wasn't even that good in that game. Go go back go back and look at the film. Colts versus Bears. First of all, Devin Hester returned to open a kickoff for a touchdown. What a man. But let's just disregard that. I want to say Peyton had like 170 yards in that game. One touchdown, one pick. The yards are, are maybe off, but the one touchdown, one pick, I'm pretty sure on. Um, they just happened to play a... And a Bears team without a good quarterback. And they won that game, mostly because their defense was great. That's Bob Sanders' last really great year. And so after that, there was, oh, he's clutch now. Won a Super Bowl, he's good. And it's like, yeah, but he didn't even play that well in the game. There's plenty of playoff games. He played really well. His team lost, but he's not clutch. And it's like, even his last Super Bowl against Cam Cam um, in 2015, when the Broncos won, awesome, right? He wasn't great in that game. He made a couple throws. We we just gave up 10 points on defense. And we won. And it's like now he's two-time Super Bowl winning. 
clutch Peyton Manning. But really, he wasn't really great in either Super Bowl. He just he got the win. And so the narrative changed. And now we don't think of him as being someone who wilted under pressure. But that's the game. And that's, I think mean, that's kind of the overall point is that if pressure can be just flipped on a narrative, oh, you're not good under pressure. Oh, you did well today? All right, maybe you're good under pressure now. Or, man, I'm putting a lot of pressure on myself, but really, I don't need to. And it brings me to this final thing is when you can't talk to yourself and you can't get yourself out of your pressure spiral, right? You're putting so much weight on yourself. You're super heavy. Like sleeping is difficult. Day-to-day operations are hard. You need pressure breakers. And these should be people you really trust, people you confide in, people who can get through to you when you can't get through to yourself. So this is usually a significant other, right? It's the easiest person. They're the most involved in your life. They have the most stake in whether you're doing well or not. But if you're, let's say, an athlete, it can be an agent. It can be a parent. It can be a teammate, former player, someone to look you in the eye and tell you what you don't want to hear. If you don't have people in your life who don't tell you what you don't want to hear, then you don't have real people in your life. No one should have only yes people around them or people who just say what you want to say. Even if you guys are pretty like-minded, sometimes you need someone to say, hey, no, that's not smart. You're, making, you're risking something for the wrong reasons. You need someone to be able to check you because it's hard to check ourselves. Right? We think we're right all the time. You need that pressure breaker, that mentor, that parent, that significant other, someone to get through to you and someone you trust their judgment on so you won't dismiss them. Because sometimes people will say what you don't want to hear, but they don't have any stake in your life. And so you can just dismiss them. Like you can, oh, you're just a critic. Get out of here. I don't care what you think. You're jealous of me because you're not as good as me. Whatever. Be out. You can't say that to your husband. You definitely can't say that to your wife. Or you will be on the couch outside. Um, the couch on the side of the road that they're giving away. But you need to have a few of these people in your life. Um, in my case, I have good friends who I think can tell me the things I need to hear because that's what I am for them. It's I call them and say, man, this is going on. I don't know. And they'd be like, man, first of all, you tripping. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> Whoops. Thanks for the thanks for bringing me back to earth. And then they give me the perspective. Bro, you're doing fine. Blah, 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 blah. You'll be all right. Figure it out. Like, or don't don't stress it. Why are you putting this extra weight on yourself? And I have to think about it. And I'm like, I don't know. It's just something I was doing. And they say, okay, cool. So Take a second, think it through, find the logic in it, and where are you? And usually it's not as bad as you think it is. And then you can kind of resolve the situation in your mind and then return to some level of normalcy. And then when the pressure builds up again, then you keep diffusing it. This is a constant thing. Pressure oscillates. It just keeps going up and down, up and down. Like the last day... Uh, before rent's due is probably a way more pressurized day than two days before rent's due because if you don't have the money, then you have one more day to get it. So right, so that's a different level of pressure. But once it's once the first and you make the payment, then that pressure's off for the moment. You <laughs> got to make that money again for next month, but you kind of keep moving forward. 
and you never let the pressure break you or put you in a compromised situation where you may tear your Achilles and potentially ruin part of your Hall of Fame career. I think that's a good wrap up, <laughs> a good sports wrap up to a life topic. Um, I know some of you guys are dealing with pressure out there yourselves. We all see it. Summertime's a good time to not really be pressurized. Like it's a little more chill. Go outside, swim, climb stuff, hike, whatever. Um, enjoy the company of others. I get that part. But if you have pressure and you feel like it's overwhelming, you feel like it's getting you down, find some people you can talk to to get it, get the pressure up off you, and try to reframe it so it doesn't feel as like as heavy. And I'm sure once you can think it through and find the logic. A lot of that pressure is something you put on yourself. And if it's outside people pressuring you for something you don't want to do, you really don't want to do it, then don't do it. Deal with the consequences. At least in your spirit, you'll feel better. If you get pressured, pressure, if you got pressured into something by some outside forces and you fall through on them, then you can't do that righteously because you really feel like you were puppeted. Stand on what you believe. If you really think... They're pressuring you into something you should not be doing, then don't do it. It's okay. Like it'll all work itself out. Maybe they are mad at you. Maybe maybe you lose that job. But that's probably not a job you want anyway. If you're being pressured by your bosses to do something you don't think you should be doing. And then a better one will come along and hopefully you'll be happier. Same thing for relationships, same thing for yourself. Don't let the pressure break you. Thank you guys for tuning in. As always, I appreciate the love and support. <clears throat> support. Wow. Got a little choked up thinking about you guys. I uh, appreciate the love and support. Tell your friends, repost, uh, tag, all that good stuff. If you have any questions, hit me up on my social media at Sexy Comedy, at, on Instagram, Twitter, all that good stuff. And I will see you guys next time. Deuces.